Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's the first Friday, first Friday of September, September 1st, 2023. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTM. Wishing you a beautiful and a very safe and healthy and happy, enjoyable Labor Day weekend. I know it's a great weekend to just kind of enjoy eking out uh, the last uh, few days of summer actually on the calendar we know we have a few more weeks of summer but this unofficially at least in america as i was just telling my michigan and ohio listeners this kind of wraps up things for us for the summer because school is underway many school districts and of course in some states start in the middle of august and then in michigan for example the midwest they started last week and all the private schools and then the public schools getting started next week the day after labor day so again it's going to be a beautiful weekend i hope for many of you just be safe and of course stay tuned right here as always to ewtn including our next segment with our president and chief operating officer vw10 always great catching up with doug because we take a look and we give you the inside words you can jot things down make a note of the great programming that's coming up and then doug and i always have great discussions on the culture and what's happening it's always lively to have doug on so he joins us at 15 minutes past the hour Fact Check Friday. Gosh, there's a few so- a few stories that I want to discuss, including, have you heard about this song? You probably have because it took the internet by storm in the month of August. It's a song called Rich Men North of Richmond. It is a song written by country folk singer, a relatively new country folk singer, not well known until now, Oliver Anthony. Released last month and became an overnight viral hit after gaining tons of traction on social media. Well, it's been called all sorts of things by the left, but there was an interesting op-ed in the New York Times that was criticizing the left for criticizing Oliver Anthony, saying that maybe instead of criticizing, they're actually listening to what this guy is trying to say, and not only the lyrics of the song, but the response to it, which has been hugely positive for the most part. I mean, the guy is packing arenas and concert halls all over the place. And he also is a fairly new Christian, by the way. So there's some interesting stories behind that as well. So we'll just chat about that and a few other stories that are making news. And then there is another story that we're going to be wrapping up with this morning and why we need prayer and why we really need to lift up the medical community because they are, many of them, not all, but many of them are very lost and have really sold their souls. There is a statement that was out, in and up, speaking of op-eds, another op-ed, that was written, that was penned in the Washington Post as a reaction to a pro-life op-ed. And this was from the leaders of the American College of OBGYNs and Society of Family Planning, calling for honesty in the abortion debate, calling for abortion on demand, anytime for any reason, stating that abortions must be available without restrictions, without limitations, and without barriers. Leaders of the American College of OBGYNs. Wrap your head around that one. Now, this op-ed from these pro-abortion OBGYNs was in response to the head of the Susan B. Anthony List Pro-Life America President Marjorie Dannenfelser and strategist Kellyanne Conway's recent op-ed in the Post in which they laid out how GOP candidates 
need to go on the offense and contrast their pro-life views with the extreme left view of abortion on demand. Now, this is something we discussed with Father Mitch yesterday after the GOP debate last week where Governor DeSantis, who was taking part as a candidate, pointed out that many who are running for president are actually supporting abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, including Joe Biden, the president in the White House. And the left went nuts and tried to claim that conservatives are being extreme. They really don't believe this. It's not true. Blah, 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 blah. Even though they are on tape repeatedly in the past several years, especially, including Joe Biden, saying basically the same thing that these OBGYNs are saying. So what do we do about this? How do we respond? The importance is knowing and being aware so we can make a difference and we can speak up respectfully and lovingly to show people just how evil this is. I mean, just thinking about this. OBGYNs. These are medical doctors who are supposed to bring life into the world. All about abortion. Without restriction, without limitations, and without barriers. Again, wrap your head around that one. So, going to be an interesting interview, I'm sure. We're going to be joined by Ingrid Scope. She's a doctor, a board-certified OBGYN, who's practiced in Texas for nearly 30 years. And she's the VP and director of the Charlotte Lozier Institute's Medical Affairs. Charlotte Lozier is a research arm of Susan B. Anthony Lester, a wonderful research organization that has so much to share with us in terms of information about life and how to protect it. So we will discuss wrapping up a Friday. All right, so let's take a look at the weather. We are talking about a lot of rainfall in the southwest, and there could be some flash flooding through today, and then breezy and dry conditions raising wildfire concerns in portions of the central and southern plains. Record heat building again across the Midwest and into the Mid-Atlantic regions over the holiday weekend and into early next week. It is already six minutes past the hour. Do hope your first Friday of September is going well. September 1st, 2023, and the Pope has safely arrived in Mongolia. So let's start there with the news on a Friday morning. Pope Francis making history this morning when he became the first Pope to travel to Mongolia. That's the world's most sparsely populated country. The papal plane touching down in Mongolia, capital, at 9.52 a.m. local time today. As he debarked from the plane at the international airport there, he was welcomed by the Asian country's foreign minister. The Pope telling journalists, according to the Catholic News Agency, aboard the chartered airways plane on his way to Mongolia, that visiting the nation is to encounter a small people but a big culture. His first public event will be a welcome ceremony tomorrow with Mongolian leaders. He will then later meet with the country's small Catholic community in the Cathedral of Saints Peter and Paul. Mongolia, by the way, home to merely 1,450 Catholics, far fewer than 1% of the country, 3.3 million people. The definition of male and female in the state of Nebraska is now solely based on biological sex at birth. The Republican governor there signing an executive order that that he calls a Women's Bill of Rights and requires single-sex spaces be provided for sports bathrooms, domestic violence shelters, and changing rooms. And Alabama's attorney general says he can prosecute people who make travel arrangements for women getting out-of-state abortions. In a court filing, Republican Steve Marshall writing that providing transportation for Alabama residents leaving the state to get an abortion could be considered a criminal conspiracy. 
He did face lawsuits in July from two women's health centers and the organization Yellow Hammer Fund, which says it supports those who are pregnant and require assistance. Cleanup now underway in Florida's Big Bend after Dahlia laid landfall as a Category 3 hurricane on Wednesday morning. Hillsborough County Commissioner Bonnie Y says the damages are different, though, from ones that came with Hurricane Ian. We attribute that to people being prepared and getting ready and heeding the warnings that we have before us. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis said search and rescue efforts, meanwhile, are still underway. Crews are out assessing damage, and the president disapproving a disaster declaration. Crews are clearing debris and working to repair downed power lines, as thousands still remain without power. Officials say flooding was not likely to meet the worst-case scenarios feared before the storm hit. Meanwhile, Florida's emergency management director has some words of warning for those Florida residents still cleaning up from the hurricane. Generator safety, it's chainsaw safety, it's ladder safety. Those are the three big things that end up causing people to have deaths in post-disaster impacts. And Kevin Guthrie says when it comes to power restoration with tens of thousands of linemen ready to help, he hopes the majority of customers will be back online in the next 24 to 48 hours. Preliminary estimates, meanwhile, show the hurricane may have caused, as Brian Shook tells us, between 12 and $20 billion in damages. That's according to Moody's Analytics, which said Thursday that the price tag won't be nearly as high as other major hurricanes. The National Hurricane Center says Hurricane Ian caused more than $110 billion of total damage last year, making it the third costliest U.S. hurricane on record. Idalia made landfall as a Category 3 storm in Florida when Wednesday before making its way through Georgia and the Carolinas. House Republicans are beginning a probe into the Hawaiian Electric Company's alleged role in the Lahaina wildfire. In a letter, House Energy and Commerce Committee Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers says they're seeking more information about the events that led up to the fires. The company, though, is pushing back against multiple lawsuits that claim the company was responsible for starting the blaze, suggesting it was the fire department that may be responsible instead. Lisa Taylor tells us a U.S. Capitol attending physician says Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is medically clear to continue his schedule after freezing up while talking with reporters earlier this week. Physician Brian Monahan said occasional lightheadedness is not uncommon in concussion recovery and can also be expected as a result of dehydration. He said he consulted with McConnell and his neurology team after Wednesday's incident. McConnell froze up during a press conference for the second time in recent months, raising questions over his health and whether he's fit to serve. And there's a new street drug called xylazine, and it's causing a number of deaths. There is not any available agent to reverse the effects of xylazine. That's Dr. Keith Pickner. He's a medical examiner in Austin, Texas, which has had five deaths linked to the drug this month alone, actually for August. It is a large animal tranquilizer and apparently causes sedation and euphoria. It is addictive. And like fentanyl, it's made in China. The White House has declared this drug especially dangerous when mixed with fentanyl and a big emerging threat. Orange County's district attorney has a message for so-called smash and grab crews in the Santa Ana, California area and flash mobs who might want to commit crimes in his jurisdiction. You come to Orange County, let me make something very clear to you. I'm not the Los Angeles district attorney. I'm the Orange County district attorney. My name is Todd Spitzer. And I'm going to make sure you go to prison as long as possible. Spitzer says most of the smash and grab robberies that are being prosecuted in Orange County 
are done by people from Los Angeles County. Outlying areas are Chilean nationals with visa waivers. He says he will use every enhancement and law available to him to get these criminals prosecuted under his state's three strikes law. And he's promising to also ask judges for life sentences. Aaron Rial tells us that Visa and MasterCard, well, they're planning to increase fees that many merchants pay when they are accepting customers' credit cards. Credit card fee increases are scheduled to start in October and April, according to the Wall Street Journal. Many of the increases are for online purchases. The changes could result in merchants paying an additional $502 million annually in fees. Increases in network fees will make up a little more than half of the revenue. The rest will come from increases in interchange fees, also called swipe fees. Merchants pay these fees when shoppers pay via credit card. Visa, MasterCard, and big banks have said that the fees help cover the costs related to fraud prevention and innovation, while banks often use the money from interchange fees to fund credit card rewards programs. And gas prices are set to hit record highs this Labor Day weekend, but AAA's Mark Jenkins says the pain at the pump may not be as bad as it is during other travel holidays. Oftentimes for Labor Day weekend, we don't typically see people taking extended road trips because they have to be back on Tuesday for school and for work. The current record for Labor Day weekend gas prices set in 2012 at $3.84 a gallon. Right now, AAA says prices are just shy of that at $3.83. And Scott Pringle tells us the New York Police Department will be using drones this weekend to watch over any rowdy Labor Day outdoor parties. NYPD Assistant Commissioner Kaz Daughtry says if they get calls about large crowds and noise complaints, they'll first send a drone over to check it out. We'll be able to determine how many resources we need to, s- to send uh, to that location. Daughtry made the drone announcement during a safety briefing for the upcoming West Indian American Day Parade and Juve Festival, the annual events of reputations for shootings and rowdy behavior. The drones have raised some privacy concerns from civil liberty organizations. And finally, in our news segment, at almost 14 minutes past the hour on September 1st, 2023, more than 14 million people expected to pass through the nation's airports, speaking of Labor Day weekend. TSA bracing for a high volume of travelers today through September 6th. Friday today is projected to be the busiest travel day, with nearly 3 million people passing through security checkpoints. Be careful out there if you're traveling, but please stay tuned right here to EWTM. When we come back, speaking of a network, our President and Chief Operating Officer, Doug Keck, the inside word, what to expect not only for Labor Day weekend, for great programming on the network, but beyond in the early weeks of September. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. you remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good? He said, only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. 
Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. I can't believe it's Labor Day weekend already. Mamma mia, the time flies. September 1st, 2023, every Friday we check in with our President and Chief Operating Officer of the network, Doug Keck. Uh, so Doug, last weekend was a big family celebration. Father Mitch said it went really well. He was on with us yesterday. So how'd it go? I'm sure you had a great time. Yeah, it really went uh, quite well. Uh, really went quite well. It ran very smoothly. We had, you know, a little over 1,200 people come. And usually in Birmingham, the crowds are a little smaller because you don't get as many people coming who think this is the only chance I'll get to see uh, the crew from EWTN, so it was still a, a wonderful crowd. They had a great time. Uh, we had great, uh, powerful talks. Father Wade, uh, Deacon Howard Burke Sivers, Jim and Joy Pinto, you know, all about the Eucharist. We had a fine family talk, uh, and then we had a, a, a live show that Jeanette hosted, and we had some special guests like David Anders was on the panel, along with uh, Father Chris Alar came into town from Divine Mercy. So, we had a nice mix, and people really had a good time, and it really, really worked uh, perfectly. And uh, so it was a lot of fun, you know, so it really was a lot of fun. Yeah, those are really nice events to go to. It's just, it, it really gives you that shot in the arm, and you realize, you look around, and you go, wow, I'm not, I'm not alone. Right, absolutely. And, and my, you know, I had this very interesting moment uh, where I came out uh, at the beginning as the MC and introduced myself, and I said, you know, you may know me from Bookmark, and I hear crickets, people kind of looking at each other. <laughs> And then I said, uh, and then I also work on a show called Father Spitzer's Universe. And the crowd goes, starts roaring. And I I thought like Ed Sullivan announcing the Beatles were on. uh, And it was amazing. And uh, they love their Father Spitzer, that's for sure. Uh, What's not to love, right? (laughs) I know, he's great. So it was just funny to see that, but it was, it's terrific. And, uh, you know, I said to them at the very end, I said, thank you so much for making us so proud of what we get to work on, you know, because of... uh, how enthusiastic the people are and supportive of the work and clearly how much it means uh, to them that Mother's Mission continues on, especially in the tough times we have today as, as, you, t- as you talk about and look at every day. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I was just saying, you know, wrap your head around the story we're going to cover later in the program that the OBG, National Organization of Representing OBGYNs is calling for abortion on demand without apology, without restrictions. I, I just, it doesn't even, I don't know. Well, it's a total, you know, you feel like saying and not, you know, the Hippocratic Oath went out the door. And then, uh, you know, now we're dealing with this. And basically what we have is we just have an ideological perspective that has taken over the academia. And so all the training and all that stuff over the last 25 years that people, doctors and whatever feels, lawyers, they've all been, uh, you know, they've been swimming in this mentality and so it just becomes the natural way to do it. And the other thing that happens many times, as we talked about, I remember Ann Carey with Sisters in Crisis years ago. Her point was the orders themselves didn't go radical. A small group got in charge of the order mm-hmm. and then started making the changes. 
And we see that a lot with what's going on in the AMA and these kind of uh, organizations. We see it in parts of the government, certainly that same idea that the vast majority of people don't think this is a good idea or don't agree with it. But a small group who makes the rules or can control things uh, is the one driving these kinds of radical agendas. And I think it's the same thing with the OBGYN. Yeah, yeah. You see it everywhere, though. And even we were just talking earlier this week regarding you know junk science and what's going on with with so-called the climate emergency and you had mm-hmm. 1600 experts including right. two Nobel prize interview. winners I heard that interview you did right I, I mean it's like come on let's at least look at this look at what the other side well, has to say well i think that in some ways it's almost like what, what, what we should do on our side say fine climate changes it always changes right. okay is it slightly warmer maybe it's slightly warmer maybe in 20 years it'll be slightly colder i don't know the issue isn't that the issue is are the draconian steps you're proposing actually going to do anything and the answer is no no they won't change anything or the change will be so minute that it won't affect any of these projections you have meanwhile it's going to hamstring people around the globe, especially the poorest of the poor, who really rely on those fossil fuels. If that wasn't the case, why would China have 300 coal plants coming online? And we Mm -hmm. keep talking about what the United States needs to do, and we need to take the lead. And meanwhile, India and and China just keep going and burning fossil fuels. This idea that somehow, you know, we have this elitist idea that we're supposed to set the standard, and because we're so good, other people just naturally follow us. Well, unfortunately, there's something called original sin, okay? And original sin means when push comes to shove, I'm going to do what's good for me. And that's mm-hmm. what you see happening in many parts of the world. Now, when you're a billionaire or flying around on a private jet, you can afford to be very, very generous. Yeah, and then you go back to your home that is all in- encompassed with a gate, your gated community, and, and you don't have to worry. You can live the way you want, and you're telling everybody else to do to, to, to act differently. But yet you're still living high off the hog, right? I mean, you're flying around in your planes, which you claim otherwise are causing problems with the environment. Well, you need to understand the work I'm doing is so important, and, and these things are so important. And How you know, else am I supposed to get there quickly? Right, right exactly, because yeah. I'm so important. And, you know, these kinds of things. And when you hear that stuff and you re- recognize really what's going on, and it's, and it's, it's clearly, it's almost what our Lord's complaint about the Pharisees was. Right. You know, you put these burdens on people that you yourself don't live up to. That's what mm-hmm. he said, right? Yeah, that absolutely. Was his, that was his major upsetment with them. He, he didn't even criticize many times what their what teachings were or what they were talking about from a, a religious perspective. It's that they made rules and they promoted these rules that they themselves never lived up to. Right, exactly. And this is why EW Chen is so important and why your show, you know, so many shows, but especially right. with Father Spitzer, because Father Spitzer, he's a scientist, he's a physicist, right. in addition to being an amazing priest, and he, he can break all of this down for us and do it so well. Right, and he's got a photographic memory and, and yeah. total recall uh, oh, yeah. for facts and figures and numbers. I mean, I, I feel so bad sometimes when Father's going, quoting some study from 30 years ago, and he goes, in 95%, well, maybe it was 93.5%. You know, it's like, <laughs> Father, trust me. <laughs> I don't okay. think I don't think you're going to get fact checked, even by the crazy people who do the phony fact checking. So right. I think you're good. I think, uh, quite honestly, uh, you're you're good, totally in the ballpark. But yeah. he always wants to be exactly right, and what make sure that what he's saying is correct. Yeah. 
and people rely on that and 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 it's really important that so many people have written to us about some of the uh topics we get to talk about through the articles and even the questions people ask us uh and are, are happy to get uh, some insights into some of these stories out yeah. there i want to have father spitzer on the next couple of weeks before the second uh or the follow-up to the pope's encyclical on the environment comes out on the feast right. of uh, saint francis so i'm sure he'll have a lot of good insight to that okay we have about three minutes left we want to mm-hmm. talk about programming that's coming up Right. Well, obviously, you mentioned it. The big story uh, today is the Pope is in Mongolia. And, right. uh, you know, so people can look for that event uh, today, uh, September 1st at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. He'll be meeting with authorities, civil and diplomatic corps. And that'll be on tonight. And then tomorrow, he's got the meeting with the bishops and also an ecumenical interreligious meeting. Then on Sunday, we've got Holy Mass and a meeting with uh, charitable workers, charity workers, a place called the, uh, in a, uh, they're setting up a House of Mercy. That's also on Sunday. You can check out all the specifics on, a, on our website for when times and days. And also go to CNA for their total coverage on the ground, minute by minute, of what's going on there. we got a great program on Saturday called Dying Without Fear that people should check out about a person dealing with uh, a terminal illness and how it relates to their Catholic faith, helping them to cope with this trauma. And, of course, Mother Teresa time as well on Tuesday. So on Saturday, we got Mother Teresa Part 2, fine movie that people can check out. And then Mother Teresa All for Jesus is a six-part miniseries that begins on Monday, runs all next week. So people can look for that in the afternoon. That's in our uh, gallery slot, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, also Tuesday, uh, a movie called No Greater Love on Mother Teresa. And also Father Vincent Capadano programming. We've got a Mass for the Servant of God from the Basilica in Washington happening on Tuesday, September 5th at 6.30 p.m. Also rerunning our fine program called and chosen which we made about him several years ago mm. so that's just a taste of what's going on on ewtn.com and don't forget so many of these things will be available after the fact on our youtube channel and our on-demand channel and look for the audio on our podcast central amen and all the information at ewtn.com doug have a very very healthy and happy labor day weekend absolutely and we will talk you too. next week god bless you too my friend Doug Keck, President and Chief Operating Officer of the Network, joins us every week at this time to talk about uh, what's coming up on the network, giving you a little inside scoop, as I would call it the inside word. We'll be right back for Fact Check Friday. Stay tuned. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church, we speak of seven gifts, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades, and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. What qualities are embodied in truth and goodness? The Catholic Catechism asserts that the practice of goodness is accompanied by the joy and splendor of spiritual beauty. Truth, says the Catechism, is beautiful in and of itself. Because man is endowed with an intellect, 
Truth in the rational expression of the created and the uncreated reality is necessary. But when truth is beyond words, the depths of the human heart, the exaltation of the soul, the mystery of God, other forms of complementary human expression are needed. Before God revealed himself in words, he revealed himself in the universal language of creation, the order and harmony of the cosmos, which both child and scientist can discern. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. on a Friday, September 1st, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Again, as Doug said, so much great stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, and we try to give you really, really good teaching programs, inspirational programs, help you learn more about the saints. And if you are listening to our interviews and couldn't remember exactly when various shows or films are going to be on, all you need to do is go to EWTN.com. And as Doug said, even if you miss it airing on the network itself, you can catch up with it because it's usually streamed and made available on the internet a few days or maybe uh, even sooner after that. So again, EWTN.com. So a few years ago, actually, I believe, what is this, 2023? Did I start this? Yeah, I did start it during the uh, 2020 election, just to clarify some stories, especially regarding the pro-life issues and where the candidates were coming from. And I called it Fact Check Friday. And we talk about various issues with the media, not just the news media, but the media overall in general and what's happening in the culture. And I thought it was a really eye-opening. And I always say we need to give credit where credit is due. Now, most of you who listen to me know my background that I spent uh, 20 years in the secular media. I have a journalism degree. My passion was reporting, and I was able to practice that in the secular arena, again, for just over two decades, for which I am extremely grateful and I eventually chose to leave and it took me a while because I was afraid and felt that if I left the news media, I wouldn't be able to do anything because I had been a reporter for so long that I thought that's all I could do. But the Lord led me out of the secular media and eventually into what I'm doing now. And believe it or not, this November or December, actually, the first week of December, it will be 21 years for Catholic Connection. So I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to speak to you every morning as this program goes not only around the country but around the world. And I always try to kind of share my experience and what the media were like and how they've changed. And what I really think is, is so sad is how, as Doug said, there there's these groups that get into these various entities, these various industries, and then they control the whole narrative. Now, when it comes to the media, it started with a small group, and now it has spread like wildfire. And it's been contagious. And those who resist uh, really are treated poorly within the system or they choose to leave and do other things, such as myself or Vanessa Denhagamar and so many others. We have many people that work at the network or are former secular media folks who just said, you know, I can't do this anymore. And I don't know if you recall years ago, this shows how old I am, the New Yorker magazine always has great covers or did have great covers. And years and years ago, probably even more than 20 years ago, they did a cover of New York City and the East River, and beyond that, a vast wasteland. And that is pretty much still the way many of the liberal elites view the world. Case in point would be this op-ed, and again, if you listen to me, you know that the New York Times, the Washington Post are not exactly at my 
on my top list of favorite media outlets, and I think the gray lady has been down for a long, long time. But again, I believe that we need to recognize when they do do something well and point out the obvious. Case in point would be an op-ed about the singer Oliver Anthony. So who is Oliver Anthony? Well, he is a folk singer, really not known to anyone until he released his song, Rich Men North of Richmond, country music singer who became famous, literally famous overnight after his song went viral on social media. The song is a critique of the political and economic system in America and expresses a frustration and resentment of the working class. Now, when this song came out, and it was, again, put out on social media and became a social media and Internet sensation, I don't know how many downloads the song has had how much money he's made. He put it out there on, on various um, outlets where you can pay a particular amount to hear a song and to download it. But now he's doing concerts. He's making the rounds. He's been on a lot of the conservative talk shows. And the left has, for the most part, been extremely insulting and critical, calling him a racist. Now, you may not agree with everything that's, that's in the song. That's fine. But to sit here and, and just not even to think about what he's saying and how oftentimes, right, music is a way to express someone's opinion, their feelings, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the culture. So that's why I thought it was really refreshing that a liberal New York Times columnist said the left needs to get off its high horse and stop the disdain for Oliver Anthony. The writer said liberals have a blind spot on class that stems from their disdain for blue-collar white Americans. And again, this is a New York Times columnist, and I found this article on foxnews.com. And I'll give it to Andrew so he can put it on our uh, Facebook page and also on our archive section because we always like to give you the resources to which we're referring. Liberal New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristof defending country singer and viral Internet sensation Oliver Anthony from the left scolding in a piece that was published on Wednesday. What's wrong here? The columnist asked his readers. A self-described high school dropout living in a camper with a tarp on the roof sings a song about blue-collar workers being shafted by the wealthy and its white-wing Republicans who rush to embrace him while Democrats wag their fingers and scold him for insensitivity. The situation, the columnist said, aptly describes a polarized political response to Anthony's breakout hit, Rich Men North of Richmond. The song contains elements that harken back to FDR's speech about the forgotten man or even Robert Kennedy's song for the shattered dreams, statements for the shattered dreams of others. He goes on to say, but that didn't stop some on the left from attacking the song as right-wing propaganda and even as racist trash. He then called on progressives and the left in general to reconsider alienated working-class Americans and added, as a Harvard professor, Michael Sandel, has noted, one of the last acceptable prejudices is disdain for the less educated. And then he brings up this point, which is interesting. Does the left really want to leave battered, angry workers to be defended by a GOP that periodically guts unions, targets Social Security, resists health care coverage, and opposes increases in the minimum minimum wage. So he did take the opportunity in his column to, you know, criticize conservatives. But overall, he's saying, let's see what these people are saying. And he added that the writer of the song and the singer, Oliver Anthony, 
has stated that both parties bear responsibility and both parties have twiddled their thumbs as working-class Americans die by the tens of thousands from drugs, alcohol, and suicide. He says, I'm all for Anthony speaking out about his frustrations and calling attention to these issues. It is a problem that Christoph called a social Great Depression as many blue-collar Americans have lost hope and are self-medicating or simply killing themselves. He also said the cause of liberal criticism against Anthony stemmed from their blind spot about class driven in part by unfair stereotypes that members of the white working class are invariably bigots. And he says it's partly this treatment that has driven many working class voters and more recently, he said both white voters and more recently brown and black ones as well, into the arms of conservative politicians. And he brings up this point and... I think it's well stated. And I don't agree with everything he says, of course, about conservatives here. But I do think it's important to point out that we need to listen to each other and stop being in a major echo chamber. And that's why, again, even though I don't agree with the New York Times a lot of times, I think we need to give credit where credit is due and read a lot of different sources and publications. Always looking at everything through the lens of Scripture, of course, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. We'll be right back. Miracles are miracles because they're different than regular daily life. A miracle is a reminder that something beyond nature can act within nature. Miracles are meant to open our eyes more is always going on than just the normal humdrum of the daily life. Miracles are supposed to make us realize that our moral choices are impacting an invisible world that once in a while breaks through into our workaday world. The Blessed Mother predicted the miracle of the Son, and she made it clear that she was using it as proof of the truth of her message. In other words, when the sun stops dancing and you get back to church, to work, to home, remember what's at stake when you pray the rosary. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Dr. Ray Garendi. What is criticism exactly? If you pay close attention, do you notice what most criticism is? Oh, it's not because you're doing something wrong or hurtful, something that needs corrected. Most criticism is, you're not doing it the way I would do it. Or you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. That's what most criticism is. And you have to get good at sorting that out. Otherwise, you're going to get real upset when anyone says anything about what you are doing. Now, of course, you could turn this on yourself. Do you do that? Is most of your criticism a message to someone else that says, you're not doing it the way I would do it? Well, save your criticism for things that are really wrong. Leaders of the American College of OBGYNs and the Society of Family Plan or Family Planning penning an op-ed in the Washington Post 
calling for honesty in the abortion debate. They called for abortion on demand anytime for any reason, stating that abortions must be available without restrictions, without limitations, and without barriers. These are OBGYNs. On the phone with me, thanks be to God, a pro-life OBGYN, Dr. Ingrid Skopp, and she is a board-certified OBGYN, practicing in Texas for nearly 30 years and serves as Vice President and Director of Medical Affairs at the wonderful Charlotte Lozier Institute. Doctor, good morning. As I said during the break, I just still can't wrap my head around this lead paragraph in the press release. It's just mind-boggling. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And one thing is true. They are finally being honest. Um, Yeah. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I have been a member for 30 years. And I've seen progressively this, this march toward what they're now calling for, abortion for any reason, at any time in pregnancy, without any safeguards to protect a woman. So they've taken off the gloves. We now know what they've been looking for all along. I do want to say, though, that ACOG is really, there's two divisions of ACOG. There is, the reason that I am still a member and that most OBGYNs are members is that there is a a part where they have experts analyze the peer review literature to create guidance and recommendations for obstetricians, which is great. So this enables us to practice according to the standard of care, to look at, at at the guidance that they've given us so that we know how to care for our patients well. But unfortunately, since prior to the time of Roe v. Wade, actually, the leadership of ACOG has been promoting abortion. They were behind the push um, toward that decision. Um, and since that time, um, they have gotten more and more radical. And so now this week, we're seeing what they were aiming for. And that is not in the interest, obviously, of either of my patients, the unborn child who usually dies in abortion, and the mother who is so often hurt emotionally, physically, with mental health complications. So where do you, as, as an MD within this organization, and I know you're working for the Charlotte Lozier Institute, where, where do you go in terms of trying to get the word out with other OBGYNs that this is not the way that we should be? I mean, we were talking about doctors who are supposed to be bringing babies into the world and helping women, and, and, and again, at least they're being honest about it. But to call for, as an MD, oh, abortion on demand, without apologies, without restrictions, without regular... It, 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 to me, I, I, that's just such the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing to be aware of is that ACOG has never, in the 30 years that I've been a member, surveyed their membership. How do we feel about all this abortion advocacy? Um, for a time, there was a subgroup within ACOG called the... Um, American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And about a dozen years ago, they were asked to leave ACOG. So since that time, ACOG has very much made it clear to its members, we expect you to abide by this party line promoting abortion, which is, again, it is unbelievable that um, doctors whose job is to protect the unborn human life to get him safely to birth have now decided they no longer have a two-patient paradigm. They have a one-patient paradigm, only the woman, um, and only if she wants the child does he become the second uh, patient. It, it, it's important to know, though, that surveys of practicing obstetrician 
um, document that only 7 to 14 percent would perform an elective abortion if requested by their patient. So we have this unusual situation where most OBGYNs will not do an abortion. The organization is promoting it without any restrictions in every circumstance. And sadly, you don't hear a lot of obstetricians talking about it. And there's a couple reasons for that. Obstetricians are busy. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we, we want to do our job. We want to take care of our patients. We want to go home and spend time with our family. And so many obstetricians, and because it's become so politicized, those who do speak out sometimes are looked upon unfavorably. Uh, I've lost, as you might imagine, many friends over this issue. But it's so important because ACOG goes and lobbies to Congress, and they say, we represent all of these obstetricians, and here's what you need to do. Take away all the guardrails on abortion. Well, they don't represent us when they say that because they'd never ask us. And they call themselves the scientists. But they're not following the science. The science says women suffer mental health complications. They suffer far more physical complications than we're told. And the reason for that is that um, in the United States, almost every bit of data about complications is voluntarily collected. So we're essentially allowing the abortion providers to tell us if they want to about their complications. Otherwise, nobody's looking to see. And, um, you know, at Charlotte Lozier, of course, we've documented extensively um, far more complications from better quality data, both in the United States and internationally. But it's it's hard because ACOG has a veneer of respectability. Right, right. And so people believe that what they're saying is true. Um, but now, now that they've come up with this statement, I think we all need to recognize every single American has just sort of an uneasy feeling in their stomach. Oops, do- oh, there you are. We lost you for a second. Go ahead. Repeat, please, doctor. We, you dropped out for a second. Sure, sure. I said everybody's uncomfortable with the idea of aborting a healthy baby and a healthy mother at a gestational age where he can survive separated from his mother. The United States is one of only seven countries in the world that will allow that. We're very extreme. And it's, it's, I'm so glad we're dis- discussing this today because the American public need to understand right. Um. We, we have laws, you know, in the wake of the Dobbs decision, 25 states are protecting unborn life. But the flip side is that 25 states have no protections for unborn life. Yeah. And that there are at least seven clinics that I know of that have no gestational age limit where they will do an abortion. You come in, you have the money, and they will abort your baby at any time. We're talking with Dr. Ingrid Scott. She's a board-certified OBGYN who's practiced in Texas for 30 years, and she currently serves as VP and Director of Medical Affairs at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is a research arm of the wonderful pro-life group, the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. And actually, uh, the statement from the ACOG is in response to an op-ed that, of course, uh, Marjorie Danafelser and strategist Kellyanne Conway wrote in the Washington Post talking about how Republican presidential candidates need to be on the offense and contrast their pro-life views with the extreme view of those who support abortion on demand. Now, I, I think it's, it's really, really compelling, the response, and I think thou does protest too much, when Governor DeSantis last week during the GOP debate called out the candidates who are pushing for extremes in abortion and saying that many of them do believe in abortion up through nine months of pregnancy. And then the, the, the certain spokespersons for the left and the media, they all circled the wagons and said, oh, no, 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 that's not true, because they know exactly what you just said, doctor, that the majority of Americans don't want this, and they want to keep that hidden. 
from the majority of the public. Yeah, absolutely. And and they also like to pretend that those late abortions are performed only for life of the mother and for uh, life-limiting fetal conditions. But as an obstetrician who's practiced for 30 years, I can tell you it is extremely rare, if not unheard of, for a doctor to need to do a direct abortion to save a mother's life. Most of the time, again, you know, it's fairly rare. Usually it happens later in pregnancy when the child can survive. And our job is to separate the mother from the baby, usually by induction or sometimes by C-section, and usually the baby lives. So to directly kill him to save the mother's life is very rare. Um, We don't keep good data, again, in this country, but it looks like probably somewhere between 50 and 90% of late abortions, of abortions after a child can survive, are for elective reasons. And I'll tell you, having talked to these women, many times it's under coercion. Absolutely. Nine, Nine months is a long time for a woman who wants her baby to say no to a coercive partner who does not want her to have that baby. So the emotional ramifications, and they're dangerous. The CDC documents when you have an abortion after um, viability, the risk of dying from that abortion procedure is 76 times higher than if you'd had a first trimester abortion. So they're dangerous. They're hurting women. The women, in most cases, want these babies. And we need to start discussing this. This is absolutely inappropriate that, that ACOG is calling for this and that other Democrats are lying and saying it doesn't happen. Look at the CDC data. It does happen. So so what, what is the cause of this? Why are they going so extreme? Is it a small group of people within the organization, as you said? Why these levels, though, to push abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, no restrictions, no, I mean, everything has to be out there without barriers? You know, I've asked myself that question so many times as a member of ACOG. Um, I don't know what is inside the minds of the leadership. Um, again, I think it's a very small minority of the membership that is pushing this. I think most doctors are not really paying that much attention to what is going on. But I do know this. In the 1960s, there was significant overlap between the leadership of ACOG and the American Eugenics Society and Planned Parenthood. So so there is some ideologic promotion. Again, we'd have to ask them that question. Why are you pushing this against the desires of your members and against the interest of both of your patients, the unborn child and his mother. It hurts both of them. Why would an organization that says they speak up um, and care for a woman and her unborn child act this way? I don't know the reason. Mm. Well, two questions. I have about three minutes and so appreciate your insight, doctor, and all your experience. And thanks be to God for your pro-life work. But is there pushback now within the organization with other doctors such as yourself who do not agree with this at all? Can there be pushback? And then what can the average person do when you hear something like this? Because it's just, again, trying to wrap your head around the fact that OBGYNs are calling for no limits at all to abortion through nine months of pregnancy. Well, um, you know, to some extent they've ignored us. Um, although the, the organization that gives us our board certification is called the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology. They're not ACOG, but there is a, a relationship and an ideology that these two have in common. ABOG has already told us that if we promote misinformation about women's reproductive health... Oh, here we go, code, the misinformation, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. That, mm-hmm. that, ...that they can take our board certification. So this is another reason you don't hear doctors talking about it. 
because th- this is a bullying move. I don't think they they will do it, um, but this is a way to keep doctors, especially doctors who are young, who are early in their career. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose their board certification that they've worked so hard for. I, I think that in answer to your question, the American people need to educate themselves. They need to push back. They need to email or write letters to ACOG and say, what is this? They need to talk to their obstetrician. Women should, should mention to their doctors, hey, what do you think about ACOG doing this? Because maybe these doctors aren't even aware. You know, again, maybe they delete the ACOG emails and, and, and take care of business. But I think if ACOG got pushback from within their membership, hey, they, they, you're taking us down a path we do not want to go. I think that that would stop some of this. Well, also, I think the fact that they, they came out, as you said, at least they're being honest now about, about where they stand when, when most of us know that they did. There was a lot of information that this was coming through in terms of the way the organization was going. But the fact that they actually did an op-ed in such a national and large mm-hmm. publication, they're putting themselves out there now. And so that makes it, I think, even easier for people to push back. Well, I hope we do, because if, if we don't, they'll be emboldened and they'll, they'll assume that people agree with them if they don't hear you know, people disagreeing. So this is extreme, and, and we all need to be talking about it. Amen. Doctor, thank you so much. God bless your pro-life work. Where do we find out more information about you and the Charlotte Lozier Institute? Well, thank you so much. Um, it's Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R, institute.org. Um, we have so much good information there, so everybody needs to educate themselves so they can discuss this with their peers, and, and we can educate the American public. Amen. Stay strong, sister. You're a great source for pro-life. Dr. Ingrid Scott, board-certified OBGYN, who's practiced in the good state of Texas for nearly 30 years and serves as VP and Director of Medical Affairs, as she said, at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, charlottelozierinstitute.org. So just the other day, I had a text from my uh, brother in the Lord and, of course, my uh, boss at Ave Maria and co-worker Al Cresta, CEO of Ave Maria Communications and host of Cresta at, at the afternoon. Beautiful Beautiful picture that he texted out of his latest grandchild, a grandson, just born earlier this week. Absolutely precious, adorable. And I looked at the picture and I said to my husband, how in the world can anyone ever support abortion? I don't get it because they don't see the pictures and they don't think about it. They psych themselves out and try to convince themselves otherwise. We need to pray for them and we need to speak up and we need to support good doctors like Dr. Ingrid Scott. We'll be right back. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Does waving to a neighbor improve our well-being? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. According to a Gallup survey from last month, it does make us feel better. It's hard for some people to wave or even say hello to a neighbor. For some, it's just the opposite. In our community in Michigan, neighbors drive by and rarely wave. In Florida, where we spend some time, it's just the opposite. The survey indicates that people who regularly say hello to multiple neighbors have higher well-being scores. The perfect zone of well-being is six greetings. A greeting may be a wave, a hello, a fist bump, or even a grunt. There are other benefits like feeling safe, financial well-being, and even career well-being. 
In Scripture, 1 Peter teaches us to keep loving one another earnestly and show hospitality without grumbling. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on how friendliness leads to well-being at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Thanks so much for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Wishing you a blessed and a safe Labor Day weekend. Enjoy it and go out there and enjoy the weather, but be careful. And of course, always stay tuned to us here at Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. God willing, talk to you on a Tuesday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.